Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When we first launched the Sideman channel, we actually had a production company behind it and they were essentially doing all of the above. They were getting everything booked in, planned out. We just show up. And yeah. we weren't happy with it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time. This week on the podcast, I'm thrilled to have my good friend Vic Starr joining us for a chat. Vic really needs no introduction, but is one of the most OG YouTubers on the platform. He has more than 10 million subscribers across his three channels and is one seventh of the Sidemen, which you would know because their videos are consistently top of the trending page, but they are one of the biggest YouTube groups in the world. Beyond his achievements, he's one of the most hardworking and consistent people I've had the pleasure of being able able to get to know in this industry. He uploaded every day for more than seven years straight and uh, has just been a real story of someone that started more than a decade ago and has been able to constantly iterate and reinvent themselves um, in this crazy world that we call YouTube. So I'm thrilled to have him here today. We chat about his origin story, the origin story of the Sidemen that you might not have heard about, and his thoughts on the estate of play today with Warzone and COD and a bunch of other things that are happening at the moment. So I'm very thrilled to have him. If you're watching on YouTube, remember to subscribe and like this video. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, give us a follow and and leave us a review if you have a moment. Without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome, Vic. So to kick things off, you have been an OG of YouTube for what feels like it must be almost a decade now, right? Over a decade, kind of, almost. Talking that about the is, very inception. That is insane. So so give us like the backstory. What is the inception point? Like what was Vic over a decade doing and what, yeah, like what got you into this? What kicked you off? What made you hit upload for the first time? So it's actually, I feel like this is the very, very original creators. Their stories are going to be similar. A lot of the later creators very much jumped in with the, I used to watch X, Y, and Z. I'd seen this person doing it on YouTube and I decided I was going to do the same. For me, a little different because it was actually my friends from school that were uploading clips of themselves to YouTube um, playing, playing, it would have been Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 at the time. And YouTube was actually just a weird way of us sharing our gaming clips with each other. So it was like, hey, I did this cool thing on Modern Warfare. I've posted it to YouTube. I've linked it to my few friends on Facebook. They're going to go and watch it. And then once they'd done that a few times, they realized that a few people that weren't them had watched the video and they were like, oh, okay, Um, there's actually people out there who want to watch this stuff. Let's start making videos that people want to see. So for me, it was just, yeah, it was a way of, it was like a social media platform for my gaming stuff with my friends from school because that's the way it worked. If you did something cool, you couldn't like just, you know, say, oh, go and look at my live VOD from last night where I did it. It's like, no, I've, I've cut it up. I've uploaded it to YouTube and I've sent you the link on Facebook so you can look at it the next day when you're at school. 
how bizarre yeah and i remember your your whole your whole shtick back in the day was pretty much like it was like clips you were the you were the tomahawk dude because i remember that was like vic and i i forget when we first met i forget what event it was but i remember we were like there where was it i i don't know not the australian one because we didn't really meet there that properly but that I was, I think, the first time Gamescom? we were in the same building. Yeah, I think it was Gamescom. You're right. But I remember I was, like, chatting to you for a bit. And we're like, and I was like, oh, crap. Like, that's the guy who I used to watch, like, just throw tomahawks randomly up in the air all the way back in, like, Black Ops 1. I think that was when I first, like, really yeah. started watching you. And I think Only Use Me Blade used to do similar stuff. Yeah, he and, like, me out face way back. Yeah, yeah. Basically just, like, full random, like, highlight tomahawk clips. And you had, like, the whole... 3d intro oh my god dude i get i get so much nostalgia thinking back to black ops one that was that was peak cod do you know what it was the liquid drum and bass a good a good black ops one montage with all the old school yes. nostalgia tunes liquid drum and bass with the little twixter oh. twixter editing effects in sony vegas on every clip just slow-moing it everything gets over edited with like 80 different filters <laughs> so you basically can't even see what happened that was the og cod stuff that was very so much Okay, so when did it go from but when did it go from you sharing clips with your friends to you realizing that like okay, there are people that are not my friends seeing these videos and you're going to try and build an audience. Like was that the mentality you were in that you started to put more effort into the fact that people might be seeing it that you don't know? Yeah, definitely. I'd say kind of the first instinct was just oh, wow, this is quite cool. These are people I don't know and they're watching what I have to do. People are actually interested. So that was kind of the exciting first step was to start just kind of building that audience from that, just to kind of see where I could go with it. And then I realized that you could start, people would pay you to put them in your sub box on their channel back in that day. So I remember I got to a point where I think I had like three people paying me one pound a month to be on my sub box on YouTube. And that was that was like, mom, I've made it. I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm a businessman. I'm making three pounds a month on the sub box spaces. This is huge. This is the new industry. This is gonna be the big thing. And they're like, shut up, go back to your room. What are you, what are you talking about? So that was when I realized, I mean, in a weird way, I realized there was money in it. And it was actually after that point that um, YouTube partnerships became a thing. Machinima showed up on the scene handing out lovely perpetuity contracts to anyone that will sign them. 14-year-old me is like, please, I'll sign the contract. I would like to get paid. <laughs> Just sign on the dotted line, send it back. Don't know what I'm getting paid, why I'm getting paid, how I'm getting paid, but I'm getting paid. And that's when it kind of went from entirely a hobby to kind of like, it felt like a bit of a part-time job while I was doing all my school yeah. studies. And then as time went on, it became bigger and bigger. People started to understand the business behind it more. Everyone rushed to get lawyers to get themselves out of their machinima contracts and <laughs> out of the Wild West that that time was. And yeah. things progressed from there on out. And I'd say throughout actually all of my school time, so I was making videos from age 13, 14 up to 18 while I was still doing all my school exams. And at that point, it was very much, I was looking at it like, this is my part-time job. This is what I do after. My parents made it very clear I had to get straight A's in all my exams. And as long as I was doing that, I could spend as long as I wanted playing video games. So I remember I used to like run home from school at lunch, set a video to render. Then when I got back from school, I'd set it to upload. That's one thing that we don't appreciate nowadays as YouTubers. It used to take a day to render a video and a day to upload a video. Like yeah, six, Sony, seven, Sony and people Vegas. can't even comprehend that now. Like nah. it's it's done in, in like, now I go from 
a video is edited to its public on my channel in the space of an hour. But back in yeah. the day, you had to plan it Thank out. You. You'd be like, okay, I'm gonna, it's going to render for six hours while I'm at school. Then when I get home from school, I'm going to set it to upload. And then by 10 o'clock tonight, it will be ready to go live. So, And this was like even years after that where technology was a little bit better. But still, I remember also with internet in Australia, I used to like spend the last three hours of the night rendering the video. And during that three hour render, I'd be like making the thumbnail. And then because the internet is so bad, when it finished rendering, I would go to sleep set an alarm yeah. for 5 a.m. when I knew it would probably be roughly finished uploading, wake up, set the thumbnail, publish the video, go back to sleep, wake up at 9 a.m. and repeat. Like, it was, yeah, they, they were I interesting days. I remember back in the day oh, with uh, with Lockie, where literally we'd finished recording a video and he'd be like, I'm going to have to get off now to go and upload that video. Like, I can't hang out with you guys anymore. Like, he'd be on Skype with us and be lagging because he's <laughs> trying to upload his video for the day. Like... It was it was it was a, it was like a real grind, but it didn't feel that way because it was so new and kind of I guess everyone was doing it as like a hobby, or a part time yeah. job kind of hobby thing. So I was ticking yeah. through all of that, and then it got to the point where I'd finished like my high school, uh, whatever, and I was ready to go to university, and I got a place to do natural sciences at uh, the University College of London, and I thought, well. I didn't because YouTube was so new back then. It had been I've been kind of making decent-ish money for maybe a year, two years, and that was very much like a serious thing. Was like in a year's time, will anyone make any money doing this? Will it be bigger? Will it? Will my channel be interesting or relevant anymore? And so it was kind of it was a, a hard thing. I couldn't just say like, okay, I'm going to be a YouTuber now. So I took a gap year where I deferred my university place a year. And I said, okay, so I've managed to do well at YouTube doing balancing it with my studies. So I'm going to go all out for a year and see how it goes. And it was actually at the start of that year, it was actually, it was pretty sad because all of my school friends went off to university. I was like at home in my bedroom, just playing video games. Like everyone was digitally there. But like, as soon as I hit end call on Skype, I was just sat on my own, like, okay, this is my life. And I was doing like the crazy time zone. So it'd be the middle of the night. And it was all a bit of a mess. What was like driving you through that period? I think it was- it's, About three it's, pounds it, a month he was still getting from his oh. sub box shout outs. <laughs> we, were, we were far beyond that. I think any YouTuber will speak for it. You're seeing the numbers go up. It's, and, yeah. and it's each a video, drug. Each video doing better is a dopamine hit. It's, it's a dangerous drug that just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting. And that was what was driving me. It was just kind of like, just, it was, and I also, it, what helped a lot is that I knew I deferred like a really solid university place. So that was the driving factor. It was like, okay, if I've, if I've had something that I know is guaranteed to get me a high salary, you know, successful job in life, if I'm deferring that, I've got to put my heart and soul into making these videos. And I've got to, and, and if it works, it works. Fantastic. If it doesn't work, I've got my backup option, my fallback, back to uni I go, all is, all is good and well. But it was actually, fortunately... GTA 5 came out just around that time. It was that September. Then I started recording videos with what is now the Sidemen. And March of the next year, so about six months into my gap year, we were all talking about how living at home wasn't working for us, bad internet, issues with disturbing family members um, or neighbors. And that's when we moved into our first house together. And the rest is history. That was the, the big step. History. That was the first big step to go from gaming to real life personalities appearing on cameras, yeah. vlogging, doing things in as gamers that were not gaming videos. And the rest of the story is very well documented. It went from there to 
where we are now has been a, 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 a steady, I, I want to say a steady progression, but it hasn't been. It's been a, a snowballing progression since then. Who was in that initial house again? Because it wasn't all of you, right? No, it was me, Josh, Simon and JJ were the yeah. original, original four. And then sometime after that, Harry, Toby and Ethan all moved into a tower block nearby. So we kind of had like two sites essentially, and we used the house yeah. for filming. We'd go over there filming. So yeah, that was the original, original four. And yeah, that was a big thing. I remember at the time, I remember sitting down, weighing up my YouTube revenue, how much the rent for this house was going to be. And being like, it was like an investment to move into that house, but it was one yeah. of the best investments you could ever have in hindsight. Yeah. No, but oh, it's but, 100%. But it's totally, it's so terrifying, I think, especially in those early days where, because I think the motivation to grind so hard, especially early on in YouTube, which I think everyone does, and obviously mm -hmm. still a lot of people do once they're big. But I remember for me, it was this almost uh, kind of like what you were saying about your uni degree, but this fear that like, you've you've kind of made it you got like a little bit of traction like you're How making money you can yeah. afford rent yeah but you don't quite feel like you actually have a solid handhold on it mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like it's slipping out of your hands constantly or always you feel like i mean to this day we still have that because that's the, the oh, nature 100%. of the youtube algorithm and like yeah. I, I think it's something that we've all learned to deal with and i think one thing that helps is every content transition you make the more comfortable you are i mean with yourself, there's not been probably quite as many. For you, it was really, I don't know what, it was TF2 to Overwatch to Fortnite. Correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. But it's one You've had a made, lot. I've, I've done, if I think I did, COD to Minecraft to GTA to quote unquote random games. Golf with friends. Yeah, golf with friends was, and, <laughs> and Uno and Rocket League to, yeah. to then H1Z1. Doing nothing. <laughs> To, yeah, a bit of nothing to H1Z1 to PUBG to Fortnite to Warzone and that's where we are now. That's insane. I feel like after making that many transitions, it's almost actually quite, uh, I feel like it would almost make me feel better because it would give me a bit of confidence that I can exactly. if you you've know, done it transcend once, you can do it again. an individual game. I remember the terror of going from TF2 to Overwatch. I like, I, I, I know I initially like blended my content for mm -hmm. about six months. I was doing TF2 I remember and Overwatch that. at the same time. I remember time. that you had it quite rough because those, for some reason, those games, even though they're quite similar, I remember the audiences. Yeah, fast. no, be because, because instead of seeing, because people didn't see it as, oh, this is like a cool game that I that will also fit into the category I like. It was Overwatch is coming to destroy the TF2 community. And then like, if you played Overwatch, people were like, traitor and like all that kind of stuff. So you had this audience i was like i'm trying to not alienate anyone but also i know that this is like the place to be and i've also have like five thousand hours in tf2 and i can't play the game as much anymore yeah. um but yeah. yeah but then but then like 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 what you're saying about that confidence like i remember going from overwatch to fortnite and i was like blurred it for a little bit and then i was like okay now i'm playing fortnite like i'm, yeah. I'm just being i'm just doing it how important like you, you yeah you've had many different eras over your youtube career how important do you feel like making those changes has been for your success now and do you how do you know when that right moment is to make a change so it's been absolutely key making those changes at the right times um i remember the big one as well was when i went from call of duty to minecraft 
that was a polar shift. And I remember all the COD fans were like, what are you doing playing this blocky kids game? We're all on subbing. And I actually made a new channel, which turned out great because my Minecraft channel was a kind of huge success and allowed me to build a lot into it. Um, but I would say that you never really know when the timing is, but it's always really important to make those shifts and you have to make them kind of eventually. I think doing them gradually is always a better way just to kind of try and ease as much of an audience over as you can to not kind of alienate mm. people. But the answer is that, that you never know. You never know if you switched at the right time or not. Um, and you do see it kind of go well for some people and not so well for other people. I think that's the nature of YouTube. It's like, you never really know. Maybe you jump too early. Maybe you jump too late. You'll never really know. Just put your all into it. Hope for the best kind of yeah. vibes. Yeah, you do have to kind of at a point just kind of like throw yourself into the algorithm and like pray to the YouTube gods that they don't just like chuck you out on the side of the road. And I guess a lot of testing, looking at the numbers, that's how you can work out if it's right. I guess realistically for me, it's always been a phasing content, uh, phasing period. And I'll see if the content is growing and I'll see if it's, and when one of the content verticals, usually the new content verticals doing significantly better, that gives me the confidence to drop the original. But sometimes I'll start going into a different game and I'll see that there's no interest or the interest dies after a week. And then, oh, yeah, I've come back. Good example, Fall Guys. I made like three Fall Guys videos um, during like two, three weeks ago and they absolutely blew up a million views more than all my Warzone content. Yeah. But then the, th the third, it was diminishing returns each time. And mm. now, and I can look around and see there's not as much interest in that game anymore. So that's yeah, one where you I, yeah. delve into it, but it's like, oh, I'm not going to become a Fall Guys YouTuber because there's no longevity in this. Back to Warzone. Yeah, 100%. I think that's one of the things you you actually learn quite well going through like enough YouTube cycles as a game comes out and you can... I feel like I'm pretty good at instantly kind of calling what it actually... Like if it's going to be like a longevity game or if it's kind of like a flash in the pan. And I think um, Fall Guys, I'm so glad came along because it was like a great break for a few weeks. <laughs> It's a but, good week and a half. But yeah, yeah, literally. But but I don't think, yeah, I don't think it was ever going to become like the next big game. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a fun little break. I feel like when you say giving it your all is also one of the key things, that, that was one of the points I remember when we first met for the first time. And it must have come up in conversation how many videos you've uploaded and how consistently you've been over the past 10 or 11 years. I think, was it last year actually when you were taking a break and it was the first day that you'd missed a daily upload in I want to say that uh, was how like, many? I want to say that was two summers ago. Um, it was the summer of the press conference for KSI versus Logan Paul, the first fight. So I want to say two summers ago. That's that's insane. So maybe talk a little bit about how consistently you'd had uploaded up until that point and yeah. Yeah, it was something like seven years of like a video every day. I think on average to this day, like across my YouTube career, I post like three or four videos on average. That was a good like three, four years where I was doing like four, five or six videos every day. Uh, I, don't, like, I don't know how I, I don't that. think people understand how insane that is. Like seven years of daily uploads. I mean... But also on top of that, doing Sidemen at the same time. Like... Well, that was actually pretty much before Sidemen was a separate entity. Yeah. At that point, Sidemen was just collaborating in each other's content. It Almost it made uh, it easier because we were doing 
two sidemen gaming videos every day. The thing yeah. that like I, I I it was definitely kind of not easy to do. It required a lot of planning, thinking ahead, a lot of kind of sacrifice of. I'm not going to go away for this amount of time. If I go away for this amount of time, I'm going to prepare all of these videos in advance and work really hard. But it was made easier by the fact that that's how content was back in 2014, 15, 16. It was very easy to just, just to rinse out content. People didn't, there wasn't so much of a high standard held to content. I guess realistically, probably because it wasn't as saturated. Um, there were less mm. people doing it. Like with editing, you mean? Exactly. There wasn't as much of a demand for high edited, highly edited and produced content. So a Minecraft video would be a sit and record it for 20 minutes and edit it down to an 18 minute video and post it. And that was, and I would literally, I would record it. I would edit it. I would upload it. I would jump back into the Skype call with all the guys. They'd still be there. And we'd like record another one. And we like, we could record like five, six videos in a day if we had a trip coming up and it wasn't. And to be fair, the amount of time we were putting into those five or six videos, nowadays people would put into one video. So it is kind of, yeah. uh, there has been a shift in the way content works. Especially in like the yeah. Minecraft days where it was just like, you could, I felt like you could record two months of videos if you just grinded for like two or three days. Oh, massively, Because yeah. it would just be like, guys, welcome back to episode uh, 37. And then an hour later, guys, welcome back to episode 38. And you could just smash Not an hour episodes. later, Elliot, 20 minutes later. Stop yeah. record. <laughs> 20 minutes later, stop record, start it again. In an hour, I literally, yeah, I could like, if I had a Let's Play series, I knew I could do like, I could do two episodes an hour. So if I needed to get 10 episodes ahead, I could sit there for five hours and do it. And that's yeah. the way it was. Oh God, I almost, I almost, I, I'm so <laughs> sad that I wasn't around YouTube in those, or I wasn't making that kind of content back in those days. Cause the idea of being able to smash out that many videos in one session, oh, that'd be the dream. Mm -hmm. Rather oh. than spending like eight hours on one. Now. I'm trying yeah. to get a single win in Fortnite and yeah. smashing my head into the desk. Yeah, You know no, what, 100%. Battle Royale has been tough, mentally tough. That yeah, Battle Royale, yeah it, Battle Royale has been a, a cruel mistress. It has given and it has taken. It has yeah. given the views, but it has taken the mental health of many a YouTuber, <laughs> I think. How do you feel like um, YouTube and gaming and uploading over that period of time, like your channels, multiple channels, have obviously had like ups and then as natural, like have had slightly lower lows and you know times when you're like completely popping and times where maybe it didn't feel like that so much like have you ever struggled with feeling that consistency and that motivation every day to just keep going and be riding riding the roller coaster that just is youtube that's that's a big question there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot of emotion across the 10 years um it's tough it, it is very very tough because you kind of you're constantly trying to evaluate kind of what your time's worth and what is worth your time. When you have an infinite number of games that you can be producing content for, you have an infinite numbers of ways to produce content within those games. And mm. I think it can be really, really tough. And especially when you see the viewership go down, when you're putting in more time and getting less views, that's potentially one of the like worst working feelings you can have. There's, yeah. Yeah, I, is, there's not many other jobs, I want to say, that are quite like it where you're at the mercy of an algorithm. I'm trying to think, actually, can we think of any other jobs where your livelihood is determined by an algorithm? I, I don't, 
I mean, I think what's also the thing is like, I can't think of any other job where you are getting a report card on your performance every minute yeah. of every day. It's like it's bad. any, it's so bad. Yeah, it's real. It's really on it. The, the real time graph is oh. is not. They should ban that. They should just ban that. YouTube. You know what? I, I enjoyed YouTube so much more before that because you would wake up the next day and you'd see roughly the number of views and you'd be like, yeah, it looks like it's done all right. Now you wake up the next day, it's like. Oh, your video is performing at nine out of ten. People are watching it for less, and people are clicking it less. And you're like, oh my goodness. And like, and YouTube, YouTube tries to phrase it objectively. They're like, they're like, oh, you know, like your video's got a slightly lower click-through rate. Like you can improve this next time. But I read it as YouTube's like, you useless. Like you, you, you suck. No one, no one likes your content anymore, bro. You're a dead channel. We're gonna. You think we're gonna put you in suggested again? Nah, mate. You're done. And I'm you're just like, done. ah. The people that are watching that are not creators on the back end of YouTube when you upload a video YouTube gives you like a little report card on the performance of that video and now is like quite literal where where as Vic said it will say like out of the last 10 videos like this video is performing the worst and less people are clicking on it less people are watching it for a long time and um yeah it's it's being shown to less people and and it's not a nice it's, it's you hate like, to see it you hate to see pretty it aggressive <laughs> have you had moments where you've really been like kind of down on youtube or do you feel like you've been able to develop enough of a sort of resilience now where you're aware that there'll be times when things are great and times when things like aren't as great and those good times will come again it's, i think it's something that yeah definitely you learn over time i've been getting better and better at kind of not and, and one thing that's dangerous that's so easy to do is to see the views going down and push yourself harder as a result. And it's like, you create this cycle of like, you just can't, you can't fix. Sometimes you can't kind of fix the problem. Um, and I think definitely just having, yes, seen rises, the more rises and peaks and troughs that you've seen, the more kind of comfortable you become with it. But being totally honest, at the end of every big game's life cycle, at the end of every big content window's life cycle, there's always that feeling of just like, ugh, what now yeah. kind of. Yeah. That uncertainty, yeah. that that concern, that kind of slight irritation when you're sat there thinking like, I could have made this exact same video a month ago and it would have got X number of views and I've made it today and I've put all that same effort yeah. and time into it and it's got... 50% of the views and the yeah. other one that just always gets to me is when you record a video and your software isn't working or the video hasn't turned out well and yeah. you feel like you feel like you've been working all day and someone's just come along and said nah you're not getting not getting paid today that nah, that's everything you just did was pointless you may as well have not sit, sat down and done anything and those it's those moments that they definitely get you down and I think it's only recently I've learned that I need to have things that I'm working on and I can succeed in outside of YouTube to make sure that my whole life isn't determined by that roller coaster of viewership and success. Um, it's taken me till now to to one realize that and look two, at that growth and two, <laughs> but in a way I've only been able to do that because of how much time and effort I put in prior to this point. That I'd say kind of in terms of what I see as my own success and my own finances, I'm at a point where I'm not really worrying whether I'll be able to continue doing what I do. I'm quite grateful to be in a position where I know I can continue to do what I do um, and hopefully to some capacity be successful from here on out. That's a very kind of nice reassuring safety blanket, but it's not one that didn't come without years and years of work, so.
Yeah. That's like you've I moved past that feeling yeah. that you had in your gap year. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say like like I think to your point, I think the most stressful part of YouTube for me is always like you're totally right when you get to that point that you think is the end of that game's life cycle and a lot of the time I think it's both like mentally for you and also in a view sense. Like I know with um with Overwatch after doing that for like two and a half, three years almost, it it is a linear 6v6 game that I was trying to make daily content on for three years almost. And it gets to a point where like you wake up in the morning, you're like, what, what, what can I do? Like, what can I do? It's the same heroes. The events don't change. They've done the same events for three years now. I played this map a billion different times and I would literally just go back, look at a video I did three years ago that did okay. And I would just replicate it. And, and I remember it gets so stress, so stressful because your mental health is going down because you're not enjoying playing the game. You're not kind of getting any like enjoyment from making content because it's the same content you made a thousand times. There's no creative mm -hmm. fun there. And then the views are going down. But I feel like every time I have gotten so lucky, like I was getting bored with TF2, bam, Overwatch comes out. And it was like the perfect replacement. And it's a, it was a very like... Um, of all the games Smooth that you transition from, yeah. TF2 to Overwatch was probably one of the easiest. Um, and then, I, like, right as I was, like, getting to the point with Overwatch where I was like, oh, my God, I can't keep playing this game. Like, I'm going insane. Bam! Fortnite comes out. Goes all the way back up again. And then we're obviously all still riding the Fortnite train. Uh, but, yeah, I, I've never had to go as much into the... What I think has happened to you a few times, right? With the variety games where you're just kind of like, ah... Golf with friends. Although the variety games were the big thing then. The variety yeah, games were bigger true. than that was GTA. The that was the, that's when actually Lannan really started taking off as well. He was all about just the variety games, just pick up anything and play anything. I miss that era because that era actually has come and gone. And that was a time where it was in the early days of the Cyberman. We could pick up any game and play it. We could play Call of Duty, Rocket League, Uno, and it would all do well. Um, and that was a cool time. So... That didn't actually feel like such kind of an abyss of what do I do? Okay, so let's let's talk about the Sidemen because I think this is, I, I find the side, I look up to you guys so much. I feel like Elliot and I have always had amazing things to say about what you guys have achieved because I think few people are pr probably appreciate how insane it is that you guys have been as consistent as you have for as long as you have and everything you've been able to achieve and you know, even over the last month, you guys launching like Sidemen Reacts and how incredibly successful that has been. I feel like YouTube groups are something that is tried by many and over a long time, you know, it's hard to be successful with that. What do you feel like you guys have done differently or what the secret source is that you guys have that's allowed you to like achieve what you have and still have such like great relationships. One of the most key things that we always pick up on is that we were all good friends before we started making videos together. We had got to know each other from gaming events and um, kind of chosen to start recording games together, not because of any kind of numbers. It wasn't that any of us had like a certain you know size channel. Um, it wasn't because anyone had put us together it's just we happened to get on really well and we had a good kind of chemistry between all of us and we were able mm. to build from that and build all of our numbers up as a collective through that over time and I think that's been the biggest thing and one thing that we've always has been always our criticism of other 
groups on YouTube, a good example in my eyes is the huge Minecraft group that probably came around a little before us actually, which was Team Crafted. And that yeah, was very much them. very much a group of the biggest Minecraft creators that banded together to create this super group, which yeah, it blew up, it was huge, they were all huge, and it helped all of them. But it never had that longevity because I feel like the members of the group grew apart and had differences that they weren't kind of willing to settle. And I feel like that happens with kind of a lot of groups that are built around being a business. And that's, I guess, another, I think, redeeming factor of the Sidemen is it's not a business. We're a group of friends that collaborate together, split everything evenly and just aim to kind of help each other out and and just create fun stuff while we're doing it um we haven't set out as like okay we're gonna hire you know this amount of you know these people take over all of these roles and we're gonna bring people in to do xyz it's very much just we are a group of friends we make content together we work on the content together we put it out and we kind of share the rewards of it together i think that's a key part of it it's and it's never been like okay so you are x size channel at the moment so you're going to get x percent but then it would create all sorts of issues if because youtube is such a um volatile platform i think some groups try and create oh i'm i'm this size of a person i'm offering this amount of value so i should be entitled to this percent of whatever's going on but then four months later it might fully flip and then they've got to make the agreement to where and I just think negotiation wise we don't really have to negotiate between each other it's it's a very simple just we share everything we work together on everything everyone attempts to put in the same effort we all have our own strengths and weaknesses areas of the business where we're able to excel maybe some people more creatively some people more from the business point of view some people more from the video production point of view and I think that has allowed us to kind of push quite far. And we all have a huge diverse experience of the platform. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's, those are the kind of the core factors. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Features of why we've been able to achieve what we've been able to achieve. And we've almost, and it's because we're relying on each other. We're kind of forced into now creating consistent content and you don't really if, if it's it's a it's a um my brain it's a democracy everything gets voted yeah if the majority of the sidemen have voted for something to be a thing it's a thing if you're in the minority you don't get a say and everyone i think also has a small enough ego to accept that and we have yeah. we have huge disagreements over how things should be done but we're all very happy to sit there and say if i'm in the majority of this group then i will do as the rest of the group wants to do I think that's a big part of it as well that makes it work. There's no hierarchy, which yeah. makes things tough. It also makes it very hard to move into new areas, to push forward, to kind of go to a new space because you have to convince everyone that it's the right move. But it also gives us a lot of stability in the areas that we do work. 
So those are, I, I guess, behind the scenes, the key factors. I think it's amazing that you've been able to maintain that mentality as it's grown to the point that it's grown. And, and you, I, I love that you like refer to it as not a business, despite the fact that, you know, you have a channel that's generating hundreds of millions of views a month. You now have a second channel that's on track <laughs> to generate or a third channel, yeah. sorry, that's on track to generate that many views a month. You have an incredibly successful clothing line. You've done a YouTube originals line. I'm sure that like you are presented with huge opportunities for sidemen, maybe that people don't even know about and that you've been able to still keep that feeling of things being a democracy and yeah. things being the group of you. Yeah. Like, have you ever, have you ever had moments where there's been massive dif- disagreements or you feel as though there's All been the time. times where, oh gosh, someone wants to take this a completely direct, different direction than what other people want to do? Pretty much all the time. Like every, all of like, actually we've been quite good since, since lockdown. That was a, a one really tough one was at the start of lockdown. It's like, how do we deal with the fact that we can't shoot all of these videos that we wanted to do and plan to do? Um, yeah. And there's always such contrasting opinions and none, but I think that's one thing that is quite good about all of us as well is we're all, um, we've known each other for so long and we're quite happy to be very kind of honest and blunt with each other. And when we don't think something's right, we'll, we'll, we'll say it, we'll shout it, we'll argue it for, you know, a long time. And some days we'll sit down to plan a video and we'll sit for two hours going around in circles telling each other that the idea that each of us has suggested is stupid and pulling holes in every single thing that... And sometimes we'll be like, okay, well, it's been two hours. We, we have no idea what we're going to do next week. Bench it, we'll come back tomorrow and think again. Um, so we do hit brick walls, but I think just we just... It's, I guess we always know we have to kind of move forward and we trust yeah. each other enough to know that even if we really think strongly about something, if the rest of the group doesn't feel that way, then it can't be that important. And we, we just, we continue to move. I genuinely think it's ridiculous that, I don't know, that, that there hasn't been like some kind of like blow up or that someone has gotten so pissed at someone that it couldn't recover or that, like, I think actually the thing that amazes me most is the the time that people are willing to put in like the mm. the fact that um you know like you guys actually kind of like assign you know going through a rotation between your group of your week to plan the video and kind of like you know put together like how it's going to go and how it's all going to run and etc 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 and I, I just don't think people understand how rare that is in most groups like most people I don't know. I feel like YouTube is generally a just very um, quite like already pretty like time pressured and stressed. And, and so I think a lot of the time it can be very hard to actually get your mindset out of just being like, this is my channel. I need to focus on my videos. Like I don't have time for any of this. And I'm seeing you guys, number one, not only plan videos, but plan very ambitious videos. Like, sure, occasionally you're like, occasionally like, oh, we get stuck and we, we do a mukbang and it gets more views than anything we've done all year. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, like, I remember I watched one, it was like, and it was like, Sidemen do scissors, paper, rock. I was like, this has got to be, there's got to be something deep here. And it was literally just scissors, paper, rock. It was, that was all it was. No, no, no. But, you know, like, sometimes with the like traveling across the UK and like, yeah. like you've definitely done some pretty crazy videos out there. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you guys will take days out of your schedule to go and shoot them, film them, travel places, like all of that yeah. is, I, I, I just, yeah, I don't think people understand how 
rare it is that a group of YouTubers will be able to actually pull something like that off. And especially, like, I remember I used to think you guys had a team of, like, seven or eight people who were all running, like, Pulling the channel. The and you guys yeah, just, no, it's up, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys would, like, rock up on the day and they'd be like, all right, you're doing this, this, and this, yeah. and it's all been organized. Yeah, the fact that you guys do it yourself, that blew my mind. So, funnily enough, when we first launched the Cyberman channel, we actually had a production company behind it and they were essentially doing all of the above they were getting everything booked in planned out we just show up and yeah. we weren't happy with it we every time we'd look at the content and we'd be like this isn't how we would do it um and more props yeah. to the other guys they've been doing kind of those kind of videos for so so long they spent you know several years making those kind of in real life videos and the people doing the production just weren't hitting hitting it and setting it up and planning it out the way we wanted it. So that's when we took over control yeah. of running them. And it's been that way since. And probably been a lot more successful. Yeah, yeah, I think. And that's just, yeah, we just like it to be kind of in our own hands just because we have so much experience of making that kind of content. What do you see as like the future of the Sidemen? I mean, it seems like sort of part of what makes it great is that you guys maybe haven't thought like too far into the future about, you know, making it into some huge multi-million dollar empire although it already is um <laughs> like do you see this as something that is keeping you guys like tied together as friends do you see it as like ultimately one day maybe you won't want to be doing as many gaming videos as you are now and it's an amazing thing that you're going to be able to still have in the future how do you see it playing out? No, I think it is. I think I, yeah, I was going to touch on this earlier. It's been really great for us to refocus. And when we've all been making videos individually for so long, it's actually really nice to be able to lean, to know that we can consistently lean on each other for the content. We can bounce off each other. We can turn a lot of the shoots into things that we would like to do anyway. It's in a way, it's a way of reigniting the fun in hanging out as friends, making content. I think it's been great for all of us because it means we have a reason to hang out every week, do something every week. A lot of the videos are things that we wouldn't usually do, which is really fun. Like we went to Amsterdam and did a total wipeout course. There's no way in my life I would kind of is book that a where that to Amsterdam. Was? Yeah. I um, was like, I thought that was literally like just down the road from where you were all living. No, I was no, like, we, we caught These sons of bitches, how have they got this crap <laughs> in their backyard? That's the best video ever. <laughs> no, actually, I say, I say it's near Amsterdam. It's like an hour outside of Amsterdam. It's, it's in, the, in the Netherlands. But something like that is just something I would never have a reason to get up and go and do without the Sidemen channel. So I actually really enjoy yeah. the kind of diversity that it brings. And admittedly, sometimes there's a video where you're just thinking, oh, I can't be bothered to go and spend a day doing this or we'll have to catch a really early train or flight or something to go somewhere and do something. But I think it's, um, I think that's what really kind of drives it. And I guess that it is so successful. And in a way it's almost, it almost overrides the YouTube algorithm itself because it's so big that we don't worry so much. It's not like it's something that can, it doesn't, it relies upon us as personalities rather than us covering a, a, a form of content it's a variety channel which is what we always say which is what we love um so i think that's what keeps it going um and it does allow us to take our eye off the ball that's part of us why as well kind of a, a year or so ago i could take a little bit of a break on the gaming content and not stress myself and push myself to create gaming content that i'm not enjoying as much because i have yeah. this whole other avenue that keeps me relevant keeps me in the spotlight drives revenue and 
allows me to go outside of my comfort zone and try new things um, and new ways of making content. Yeah. And it's only going from strength to strength. Like you guys launched Sidemen Reacts. I mean, how many weeks ago now? A week and a half ago, I think. Something like that. A week and a half, two. I think I think two, if I was looking at it right, the other. How many subscribers did you hit? Or what are you at now? One and a half million just... in three weeks, which to be fair, even to us kind of had us like, okay, whoa. You know, after the amount of years that you guys have been doing it, it's still, you know, there's so much hunger for more. Yeah, it's, I think realistically our content schedule as the Sidemen isn't what people are used to from us individually. Individually, we've all been through times where we've been posting several pieces of content each a day. So I think the audience still kind of just eats up anything that we put out. And the Reacts videos, they're easy to record and they're easy to watch because it's just, there's so much variety to them. And what I hear from a lot of people is they say it's just an easy pickup. If I'm, if I'm like in a you know, short cab journey or I'm like eating my dinner, I'll just flick one up. It's like easy watching for the background. Whereas like the main channel videos will be like a 30, 40 minute thing that you need to get invested into. You need to watch the whole way through. You might need to pay attention to. It's like a game show and you're trying to work out what the game might be or the challenge yeah. might be. But um, the reacts is just, it's just a, a content vertical that, there's a lot of demand for it. It's something that none of us would really be interested in doing on our own. But when we do it together, mm. again, it brings that fun. We can we can make it kind of a social occasion. And I think that's another thing with Sidemen that a lot of people buy into and is the reason it's so successful is we emulate a very normal friendship group because that's what we are. We hang out outside of recording videos. We have a lot in common. We like to joke and mess around with each other in the way that any group of friends would. So for anyone that is yeah. feeling a little bit lonely um, at any point in their life, they can just flick it on and they can instantly be involved in our inside jokes and messing around with each other and our conversations and differing opinions. I think that's kind of one of its biggest strengths is it's, there's, no, there's no scripting behind it. There's no manufacturing of what it is. It's just very normal, organic. It's just us being us um, and always has been. I think that's one of its actually when you boil it all down that is the biggest strength of the sidemen from business to content it's the fact that we are just an ordinary group of friends living completely yeah. extraordinary <laughs> lives. yes but it's also cool because like what you guys do is actually you know like when it comes to, like fortnite channels there's a lot of fortnite channels out there and they're all playing the game they're all doing challenge videos and like there, there is a lot of similarity there and a lot of options but when it comes to I feel like the kind of content you guys do on the Sidemen channel, it's so unique. There is not many people out there. And I think a lot of people, you know, try, uh, but like where it's such an authentic group of people who are so motivated, so keen to like do all those crazy things all the time. And like, it, it just like, I can't actually really think of a channel that's still going at the moment that is like an alternative. And I think that, um, you know, like even with like what we did with Click made me realize how hard it is to have something like what you guys do and actually have it keep on going and be that successful. So it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty insane testament. I appreciate that very much. Although I do think if <laughs> I spin it up on the spot, I can think of a few channels that have a similar premise behind them. Um, and that would be Dude Perfect, Nelk Boys True. and Mr. Beast channel. They're, they're yes. obviously they're not, they're not in any way the same. And I think our Britishness gives us that very unique angle upon <laughs> those channels. Um, 
But I would say that in, in the kind of the sense of a group of friends doing extraordinary things, they definitely tick those boxes. Um, obviously, they have their own unique skews. But yeah. um, it's groups on YouTube has been a tried and tested thing. Funnily enough, um, here's an interesting story for you. So way back in the day, there was the Yogg's cast. I mean, there, there still is the Yogg's cast. Um, but uh, the Yogg's cast were the biggest thing in gaming back in maybe 2013, 2014. There was the Yogg's cast, yeah. there was the crew. And I remember me and Josh, uh, me and Zerka sat down and we were like, these groups are huge. Um, like this cross promoing thing works so well when everyone was so segregated back in those times. And we tried to coerce the creation of a group. Um, and we made a group chat of all of the UK YouTubers. And in this group, it was me, Josh, Toby, um, JJ, KSI, Ali A, Syndicate, Nepenthes, Fear Crads, Matt HD Gamer, Oakle Fish, um, and a few others. Some of those names people will instantly go, oh my goodness, yes. Some, some yeah. of them people will be like, no. But in a way, that, that could have almost been the Sidemen. It was a group that was called Trains. Um, trains. Because it was the I Like Trains meme back in that time. And our group was called Trains. Then we tried to turn it into a thing called Team UK. And it never, it never stuck. No one really kind of got into it enough. And then, funnily enough, two years later, the Sidemen became a thing. Again, totally by coincidence. It wasn't a manufactured thing. It was actually the fans that created Sidemen. We were recording videos together. We were in a GTA 5 crew that was called the Ultimate Sidemen, which was just a joke. Ethan made it as a joke, like a, a shot at ourselves, just like, oh, we're, we're, the, we're the Ultimate Sidemen. Like, what a joke. But then the fans enjoyed the GTA video so much. They were like, oh, I love Sidemen GTA videos. Can't wait for the next Sidemen GTA video. When are they going to make a Sidemen t-shirt? And we made a Sidemen t-shirt. We went to an event. We did more of the clothing and it, the brand created itself. Very like, very organic. Yeah, massively. Amazing. Okay, so maybe let's take it a little bit more to what you're doing today. You're obviously blowing up at the moment. I feel like your engagement on Twitter is insane right now. Like, I feel like everyone's seeing your name everywhere. How do you feel about like where you're at in your YouTube career right now? Yeah, at a, at a pretty fun, exciting place. A little disappointed that um, what has been my biggest recent success, which is Warzone, is starting to tail its way off. Uh, that's always a disappointing thing. You always want to see consistent gains in something new that you're trying out. Feeling a little let down by uh, the game's development. And what I realized is that Fortnite was a game that really spoiled all the content creators in its first few years. Because a yeah. serious weekly gameplay update is every content creator's dream. Um, yeah. And now Fortnite doesn't do that any longer. Modern Warfare is not even close to that. And it's really hard to generate hype in something where you don't have something new. But even though Fortnite doesn't do it as much anymore, like I would say that they're definitely kind of, I feel like they kind of went on a bit of a thing where it was like so many updates, then they really toned it back. But I feel like they're really getting back into it. Yeah. Like this season, I think they're adding like two new POIs a week. They're adding new heroes, new abilities, like all the time. Yeah, but I, I think Fortnite 
like it's just such a it's a, it's a great cycle because it's it makes the content ideas easy because you've always got new stuff to just make videos on it makes the audience want to come back in and re-engage because they're like oh my god what's this new thing you know it's not the same video over and over again like yeah yeah fortnite I, i'm actually amazed that more developers haven't really latched onto that because that I is what I credit. Can. yeah i think you're right i think you're right i think fortnite fortnite they uh they really adopted that um that mantra of what is it you know like uh make make mistakes and make lots of them or move make, fast and break things yeah, yeah move fast and break <laughs> things which is that which like Fortnite, like they they'd be like putting stuff in the game so hot that it would just come in and it would be like completely broken like you're like what did you even play test this like this clearly doesn't, but it doesn't work. matter because, and then yeah. and they're like we don't care we'll patch it next week when the next item gets added just go 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 and like and everyone's just kind of like doing stuff and it's and you know sure a lot of the time it was glitchy but it didn't matter because people would just keep coming back and back and back and back and back and right when you like and you're like oh getting a little bit bored of Fortnite, and then like bam new season like everything's changed like now you can fly and float and go through these rings and you're just like oh and then you get like a little bit tired again they're like bam we they're like like, we changed the whole map now and you're like oh god i'm trying to get out but i can't and no game is doing that and i feel like people will dip out for a month or two maybe go try something else and they're like "Eh," and i'm bored and i'm back into Fortnite now Fortnite's a totally different game and i'm keen to play it again but i feel like Fortnite also was one of the first games that really saw the value of its creator community and how important that was for the longevity and the success of the game and keep, and making it really into pop culture. Yeah. And I feel like now you see, um, I, I feel like Warzone has done that. I mean, they're obviously adopting elements of what Epic's done yeah. with things like creator codes and the tournament that you've been doing. Yeah. Do you feel like, how do you feel about that sort of thing? They've, def- they've definitely taken steps in the right direction, but I just think keeping up with, what Epic Games have been able to do and the infrastructure that allows them to do that. I think any AAA game developer is just, they, they, they have been shown to struggle and they do struggle. And I definitely appreciate the effort and I think it's given Call of Duty Warzone a much longer lifespan than it would have had otherwise if they'd have just released it and said, this is your Warzone game, play this for a year and we'll be back next year. They've done very yeah. well in releasing seasons and changes, but I guess it just feels like the changes aren't overwhelming enough and i don't feel like they have like any huge changes left in the locker and i feel like partially because they have their yearly release cycle that they still work to so yeah they kind of they almost in a way i feel like they've got to a point where they're just like okay right we've 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 planned all of our little changes for this game cycle now on to the big next game cycle let's work on that and i think that kind of makes it tough for creators it creates this seasonal seasonal burst of content that dies off quick so so not to not to get off topic because but i think it would be you know dumb to to have you know you who's probably more involved than anyone i know in the cod community and not actually quickly go into it but like how how do you think this next year of call of duty is really gonna like fit in because i've heard that they're trying to they're trying to make it not quite and correct me if i'm wrong but like what i heard was especially with warzone they're almost trying to make it feel like like when Fortnite does a new season to a point where it's not supposed to be like totally like everything that you've done is in the trash yeah Yeah. is that is that kind of what everyone's expecting to happen it to actually be a blend i'll be honest no one really knows what's going to happen all i think that has come out is that warzone is going to be a persistent thing is all that we know so whether that means that the current warzone 
game and engine will be reskinned in a combination with the new COD, whether the new engine will be applied and the new map will be applied to the new Call of Duty game. I don't think anyone really knows what happens. I personally am a huge fan of the current engine that they're running Warzone on, but in my yeah. head that doesn't quite compute with. I don't know how you would release a new Call of Duty game with new weapons and guns and then have those also in Warzone but on a different engine. I don't, I'm no expert on any of this stuff, but that doesn't quite make sense to me. No, I agree. And I think the current engine just seems to operate. For, the, for those of you who don't know, because I know that not everyone is totally game lingoed, uh, an engine is basically like, think of it like the rules of the world, like, like the way physics works, the way that it feels when you run or slide or open a door or shoot a bullet. Like it, it's kind of just like the, the unique feel of the game, I guess is probably yeah. the simplest way to put it. Um, but I know that, you know, uh, before, before Warzone Blackout, um, which was the one for Black Ops 3, yes. right? Four. Black um, Ops 4. Black Ops 4. Yeah, that one, that one, it, it didn't feel bad, but it definitely didn't feel nearly as, as like fluid and, and yeah. smooth. It felt a little bit jankier, a little bit more like on the rails yeah. where like everything was a bit more like scripted movement and yeah i think it's going to be so interesting if there's this engine that people have fallen in love with all of a sudden changing that because i remember in fortnite fortnite was talking about oh we're going to be upgrading to the new engine and there could be some minor physics changes and everyone was like flipping tables like no nah, we're not going to play the game anymore it's ridiculous and you'd Did like kick a basket no they didn't but they just they did the engine they change did it so, so well that, that no there was tell. there was almost no, you i don't think you could tell really and i still don't know if they've like fully activated it to the point where Impressive. anyone could tell um but yeah i think that's going to be so interesting because obviously warzone's probably arguably one of the biggest successes that call of duty's had in a while beyond the, since like, i think you know, since black ops 2 i think in the last several years it's the biggest success they've had it's the biggest profits they've ever seen yeah. um which is but exciting, I, but it's just whether they clock on to why that is and whether they actually deep dive and work out what is the reasoning behind that and how to continue that. That's yeah. definitely a concern of mine, but I'm hoping that they're going to keep things in the right trajectory. Yeah, but regardless, I think I think you're right that Call of Duty, at least to a certain point, they've, they've learned a bit from Fortnite. Which is and, good, which is I a mean, step in the right direction. It shows that the AAA, the traditional AAAs that have been doing this for 10 years they're, yeah. they're, they're noticing that there's a different way of doing things now and they need to at least try and adapt to that. And that's exciting. And I think acknowledging the importance of like content creators to the success of a game. Like I think Call of Duty for the longest time, at least from what I saw, used to take content creators very much like, I don't know if for granted's the right word, but there was very oh, yeah. much like an air of like, no, 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 we're Call of Duty. Like you will play our game and you will cover yeah. it. And that's the way it's going to be. Whereas like now they're doing a lot more sponsored stuff. They're kind of working a lot harder to really like engage like YouTubers more yeah. proactively in communities and creator codes. Mm. And I think that if there's one thing that Fortnite did, it's actually kind of moved the industry forward a lot uh in terms of the way that games are run like the more live service stuff like keeping it fresh keeping it updated because i think you're right don't be wrong cod didn't go anywhere near to the extent that fortnite did back in the day but i think even like stuff like having the little mini live event and putting the easter eggs in that were like developing a miniature narrative within the map yeah. throughout the season like that's still more than call of duty's pretty much ever done before or even, pretty much yeah. any game outside Fortnite's done before. Yeah. So I think, um, I, yeah, I think it's it's that's definitely one good thing that's come from from all the the Fortnite success. With the COD creator codes, because you know, 
this is sort of new to me, but I've been seeing obviously on Twitter a bit of chatter about who's getting them, who's not, and they've been perhaps slowly rolling rolling them out. Is that the approach that Epic took as well, no. or do you do you think do you think it's good that they're doing it that way? No, Epic actually did have that approach temporarily. I like I back 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 in the day there was a one or two month slight blur when not everyone had a creator code or not everyone it was the majority of creators though. i feel like there yeah. wasn't there wasn't yeah they rolled it out much more expensively had them pretty yeah. instantaneously yeah. whereas cause yeah. it has been a very very slow release which is a bizarre one um yeah i i don't i, I think they've, they've definitely upset some kind of heavily ingrained members of the community who people would expect to have a creator code and don't. And I saw it, Nade Shot not get one, and I was like, that's some, like the yeah, most Some OG. people who've been huge on the, yeah. Especially, yeah, uh, another one is Pomage, who's been covering the game since since its inception on YouTube. Um, that is a bizarre one. Um, I just think just a slight lack of understanding of the community. Um, I feel like yeah. I feel like it's a very corporate, rigid structure within Activision, that no matter how down to earth and the community and understanding the community the people are who are in touch with the community they have to get everything approved by everyone all the way up to the top and it's such yeah. a big corporation with such traditional values I think it it's just there's a lot of oversights that happen and to a, yeah. the average yeah. community member and gamer they'll be like why on earth has that happened why is this like this why is but i think it's never as simple as someone who knows how to fix it going and fixing it it's like they have to speak to the right people get the right things approved get it released yeah yeah some of the some of the con- commentary i saw on it was you know there was obviously a lot of chatter that there were some of like the greats of the community that didn't get them um i saw that there was like a pretty high correlation between the people that got them and the kind of viewership that they're actually getting like yeah. there are some greats of the industry that are undoubtedly you know, major players in the community, but perhaps aren't currently getting, you know, uh, the most significant yeah. viewership. I think, yeah, that's what and... they were based it on. But the community doesn't yeah. look at it in that same way. That's a very business-driven way. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. about the respect. It, it sounds <laughs> like someone in head office saying like, okay, if you get like X amount of viewers, you get a creator code. And if not, you don't. But And, and, and it's ironic that they're introducing this to be in touch with the community um but at the same time uh, yeah the community probably feels like viewership perhaps isn't the best way to um make a benchmark as to who deserves a code or yeah. not yeah but but also arguably um and, and i know this is like a big thing when fortnite creator codes came out a lot of the time like the real benefit of creator codes is they allow a lot of people who necessarily aren't yeah. doing quite as well but might have a really dedicated community that wants to get behind them actually yeah. allows them to bring their revenue up and do better because i know that you know back when fortnite creator codes came out everyone was like oh like ninja shouting out his code is obscene because he's already making millions and millions and millions of dollars like you should be telling people to use small creators codes and there was a lot of push and pull there so i think a lot of the time commu- the community will actually a lot of the time rally behind the smaller but more like dedicated creators yeah. with codes that they that they see as being a little bit more um you know kind of like you know in the in the mud or kind of like you know part of the community a lot more actively yeah. so 
yeah, I think the uh, you can definitely get it from a corporate point of view, but I think that's always been Blizzard Activision's problem. Or I mean, it's like I, no, I would say it's a problem, but it's obviously <laughs> an understandable one. Is that they're just so much more rigid and corporate and traditional than a company like Epic, which is still majority owned by its founders and can kind of just say, you know, like oh, let's yeah, do this. This sounds cool. Like just shoot it and if it doesn't work like ah it's fine like we'll fix that later but you know i think they're a lot more willing to run on the fly and just do stuff and see how it goes yeah but um yeah no i think the the creator code thing is is very very cool but oh well let's uh i i, I hope for all our sakes that the uh the next call of duty is a fun one because yes. i love playing it i yes, love playing indeed. them when they come out if only we could play damn you ping Damn, yeah, been... COD's like the one game. Vic, Vic and I gone. will occasionally do do games of Dota together and and play exclusively heroes. Yeah, play exclusively. Occasionally, hero. look, Vic's playing Dota every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been actually playing it a lot more recently. But yeah, nah. Back when um back when we had everyone, because there have been a few times where we've all been on roughly similar ping, right? Like when I was staying in the UK. Yeah. With you guys. Those were good bit, times. Like, Those were really good times. I forgot were... that that was a thing. That was so much fun. You and Lockie both came and stayed in the Cyberman house for yeah. like two weeks. And we yeah, went skiing. That was... And that was quality. That was so, so good. I remember the minigun coming out and like everyone running up and down the stairs trying to like jump on setups. Oh, God. <laughs> days. Days. Oh, well. Pre-2020 pre days. Pre-2020 days. All right. Days. Well, I feel like we're coming to the end of it. Vic, one last question. What do you like? What do you feel like you're going to be doing in five years? Are you, is YouTube like, do you still feel like YouTube's your thing? Like, could you ever see? I mean, you've been literally doing it since you were like 13. Could you ever see yourself doing anything else? I don't know. Um, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> um, maybe, I, I like to think I'd be doing YouTube, but even to another level of like, casualness maybe i'll be like like I'll, I'll have my own house by then and i'll be like doing some like renovations and i might be vlogging a bit of that i might be going on a holiday and doing something cool and like maybe i'll vlog that maybe i'll similar to like what syndicate does these days perhaps but but like, it wouldn't be daily vlogs ever that nothing terrifies me more than the concept of doing daily vlogs because i just feel like yeah the dangerous thing with vlogs is I could go on a massive tangent here, but you end up living your life for the video footage rather than the actual experience itself. So that's kind yeah. of, it's it's a double-edged sword and it's really nice to have kind of like a video diary of things you've done and be able to share it. But at the same time, it can also take away from experiences. So I guess in an ideal world, I'm still playing games that I enjoy, covering them maybe in not such an intense way. I'm just doing what I do now. I'm filming things I enjoy and posting them up and I'm happy doing that. Maybe working on some stuff outside YouTube. Who knows? But YouTube, I've had a lot of opportunities to get involved in things outside of YouTube. But for me, it doesn't matter kind of what the end result is. I just enjoy making content and seeing the response and being in part of a community. So hopefully still YouTube in five years. But we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, I think that's how I feel as well. I'm like, I, I love the idea of, you know, I think always still doing YouTube. But the the plan is not to just burn out and stop but just to eat like out. like not not yeah not be like, like a fine like, wine exactly exactly <laughs> not 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 absolutely like just put myself into like the on a grind anymore yeah, yeah exactly we exactly. come back in like 10 years and vix like a family <laughs> like dad vlogger <laughs> Oh his boy. his his 12th and 13th <laughs> channels are like his kids channels <laughs> getting the good CPMs. On the torch. <laughs> they're there like they're go. like dad i want to go to school you're like you're gonna stay at home you're gonna unbox these toys 
He's like, when I was a boy, I was uploading four times a day. What are you doing? <laughs> like, Dad, I'm studying a law degree. Exactly. What are you doing? <laughs> All righty. Thank oh, you God. so much, Vic. Always a pleasure. Likewise. Cheers for having me. It's good to catch up. Hopefully next time is in person. Um, but Let's I'm hope. Not, Let's hope. not very helpful for that. But maybe yeah. some more virtual catch-ups are in order. Because exactly. that, is, that yes. has been one and thing. I feel like I've lost touch with the international crowd, which is a shame. Because you're some good people. You're some good people, I must say. Yeah, don't worry. Dota, Dota will do that for <laughs> Dota is our new version <laughs> of golf. <laughs> Go for a round of Dota. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for watching this week's episode of Watch Time. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 